Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome to the Talentworks podcast. I'm Shukri. I'm Katrina. And I'm Helen. BBC Studios is the production part of the BBC Group. So we're not public service. What we do at BBC Studios is we invest in and we produce amazing shows, both for the UK and globally. We make some shows for the BBC, but we also make them for the market, like Netflix, Channel 4, Spotify, Audible. These include Blue Planet, Pressed, Killing Eve, Strictly Come Dancing, I May Destroy You, Doctor Who, Top Gear... BBC Studios Talentworks are a small but mighty development team within BBC Studios. We work cross-genre and cross-platform. We specifically work with emerging talent, so we look to places like Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, people who are writing blogs, maybe people who've got podcasts already, who are storytellers and looking to partner with BBC Studios to tell bigger, bolder stories. In short, we play Cupid for talent and industry. And this podcast is about giving the floor to some of those talented creators. True to form, our guests are going to lead the way. They are going to be telling us about three pieces of work that have defined their careers so far. So who have we got today? Helen here. It's November 2022 and today I'm joined by Rachel Isabel. I think part of me is kind of like trying to... Almost like disrupt the image of the black girl, trying to kind of show us in all forms like, yeah, we are these vulnerable people and we do have feelings and I want to acknowledge those feelings and it's not all like happy-go-lucky and yeah. Rachel is a multidisciplinary artist. She's a graduate of the Chelsea College of Arts and it was after college, out of spatial necessity really, that she began creating more digital art. Rachel started creating beautiful digital collages of black women in nature and posted them on her Instagram. This caught the attention of brands on Instagram, like Eyelaw and Skinny Dip. So I know Rachel as she's one of our creators for the In The Mix 2022 project. This was developed by BBC Studios and Black Creators Matter in partnership with The Barbican. The project provides black content creators with development experiences and the opportunity to produce a short film for BBC Real, if you search BBC Real Found in Translation, you can watch all the films produced by this project. So today, with Rachel, we're going to discuss, first of all, why she was inspired to subvert the work of artist John Stazaka. Next, how Rachel approaches more commercial commissions. And finally, how you turn digital collage into documentary. Welcome to the TalentWorks podcast, Rachel. First off, can you just tell us about your creative career? What is it that you do? I, so I would say I'm a collage artist, but I'd also say I'm a multidisciplinary artist. I do a little bit of everything and I just let my art lead the way in terms of if I want to work with film, I work with film. If I want to do collage, I'll do collage. If I want to work with textiles, I'll do textiles. It's just whatever my art feels like doing and I just follow my intuition. Brilliant. 
So in every episode, we ask our guests to choose three of their most defining moments of their career. We're going to jump right in with the first one. Can you tell us what yours is? I've got a digital collage that I created called Running Wild back in December 2017. It's a black and white image of a black singer and actress mid-performance. She's wearing a beautiful gown. Her arms are above her head with both fists clenched. Over her form, there's a postcard image with waves crashing into the cliffside. Why did you create this collage? There's this like Tumblr account that I followed called um, Vintage Woman of Colour and that showed all these like black actresses, black and brown actresses from way back when. And this singer that I found called Joyce Bryant, she was around in the 50s. And when I came across her, I was like, wait, I've never heard of this person before. So I did a little bit more research into her background. And she's from a big family. She's like the third of like eight children. I'm from a big family. I'm the third of seven girls. So I was just like, oh, there's a connection here. And she was really like defiant in her career where she was one of the first black people to ever perform at a casino, even though the Ku Klux Klan were like on her case and were burning effigies. She still was like, no, I'm here. And then she was also nicknamed like the bronze Marilyn Monroe or the bronze bombshell and all these other names. And I was like, wait, she was compared to Marilyn Monroe, but we hadn't really heard from her on the scale that we've heard of Marilyn Monroe, which I found like really interesting. And one thing that I noticed when doing these collages, because I've mainly used black women, is that everyone spoke about racial inequalities and everyone's had to fight for something. But then they still look gorgeous. And I was really inspired by that because we, as black women and as women, we're always having to fight for something. But it was just interesting to see, like, throughout the spans of so many different black women that I've kind of researched for my collages, they've all been fighting for the same thing, which is to be seen, to be heard, to be listened to and to be respected. And I think that's kind of like a summation of, like, all the collages that I do. It's just, like, giving a different dimension to women and black women in particular. And how did you start with digital collage? Um, Because I didn't have the space to have, I didn't have a studio to work out. I had to work at home. So I'm just like, well, I don't have the space to have all these like (laughs) stacks of papers around me. Like I just didn't have the capacity to have that. And I was like, well, the next best thing is using my laptop that has everything on there. And my laptop is like, (laughs) it has, it's my soul. It's just got everything that's in there. So I've just got a collection of images that I've just collected and just like play around with them and just seeing how the relationships develops between the images. How do you start a collage? Oh my God. So (laughs) it'll start, I'll always start with the subject first. So like the woman that I pick first. And then from that process, it's like looking through images of nature. And I use nature in particular because I was when I was at uni, there was this conversation that happened. We had the artist John Stazaker come in and talk about his collages. And his collages, they're really beautiful pieces of work. And someone asked the question about diversity within them because he just used white people and white celebrities within them. And it was kind of something that was classed as beautiful, surreal, and all of these lovely words, but somehow black people were excluded from that narrative. I think the only black person he ever included in his work was Eartha Kitt. And then that was it. So I'm just like, okay, how can I take this work and subvert it and subvert it by using black women and black women in nature? And what was their reaction when they were asked 
about diversity in their work? Their reaction was very much like, oh, my assistant picks the images. I don't have a say, really. And I'm like, but you're the artist whose name is on the wall. So you should have a say. Like, I would have a say. I have a say in the people that I choose. I'm really selective about it. And it's for a reason. And I just, I kind of thought it was a bit of a cop-out because I don't think they get asked that question. So they just said whatever they said. But it inspired, like, a big, big moment for me within my, like, artist career where I'm like, I want to challenge and do more. You're right. I mean, it's their name above the door. So yeah. it's like, you should be responsible for your work. Yeah. Which was the most challenging collage you've ever created and why? I'm in the process of creating it now. I don't know why I excelled like that, but it's because I wanted to do one of my mum. And it's it's even more difficult doing stuff like creating art of people that you know, because there's so much like there that you want to try and capture and convey. And with my mum, she's like my everything. So I'm like, how do I capture her? How do I show people all the things that she means and represents to me in this way in a collage? Because I'd want people to see her face. But a lot of my collages, you don't see the woman's face. So I'm just like, no, it's my mum and everyone has to see her. So it's like, I think that's my most challenging one that I'm still kind of like trying to figure out to do. So we're going to go on to the next clip. So the next most significant moment in your career. Can you tell us what this one is? So this is a poem that I wrote called I Bloomed and it was part of Instagram's Yours to Make campaign in September 2021. It was in a stage in my life where like I started going to therapy and started learning the word no and part of the poem talks about saying no and standing up for yourself in that space and not just being a yes person all the time because you don't want to upset people. Great, let's listen to some of this work. I've been thinking a lot lately. I said no recently, and I affirmed myself. I said no, and I bloomed. I bloomed in my blackness, I bloomed in my womanhood, I bloomed with my words. I bloomed and I gave myself permission to feel. I bloomed and I felt the warmth of the sun on my skin. I bloomed and I let the tears of joy fall. I bloomed and I let my inner child live. I bloomed and the ancestors lit the way. I bloomed and I rested for the first time. I bloomed and I found my way back to myself. I bloomed and I found my community. I bloomed and I fell in love. I bloomed and I exhaled. As I write this, I'm still blooming. I've been thinking a lot lately. This was, it's beautiful to listen to, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Do you like listening yeah. to them back? I do. I think sometimes I just catch myself because I've not listened to that back for a while. And I was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> I said those things and it's like, oh, I really felt it. So, yeah, that was really, yeah, that was really cool. Does it put you back to the moment that, prompted you to write it it does because it's just kind of like honestly therapy has been such a lifesaver and just being able to go to someone and talk to them about how you're feeling and just them affirming how you're feeling in those moments and then I could breathe I could breathe because I set my boundaries which is something that not everyone knows how to do and it's such a difficult thing it's really not easy but yeah, listening to it back, it just brings up all those emotions, but in a good way, because I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm still blooming and I'm still growing. And that's that's the point of that. So the project was for Instagram Yours to Make campaign. Yeah. How did the opportunity come to you? I got an email and they're like, please sign this NDA. And I was like, 
wait, what? What are you talking about? I was like, I feel weird signing something and I don't know who you are and I don't know if it's a scam because there's so many scammy emails that are like, hey, want to grow your profile? And also you might be like, I don't want to know the secret. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I was like, no, that's my signature or whatever. And then I was like, okay, let's just let's just do it. Then I had a like a meeting with them. They're like, yeah, so you've been selected as one of our creatives for this project. And I was like, how did you find me? And they're like, on Instagram. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then they're like, also oh, part of this project is that you're going to, the work is going to be shown at the Saatchi Gallery. And I was like, Saatchi Gallery, sure. <laughs> and then I thought it was definitely a joke. And then they sent me the brief and I was like, okay, this is not a joke anymore. This is actually quite all right. And how was it being that vulnerable? Um, It was really scary, but really good at the same time, because I think part of me is kind of like trying to almost like disrupt the image of the black girl, trying to kind of show us in all forms, like, yeah, we are these vulnerable people and we do have feelings and I want to acknowledge those feelings and it's not all, like, happy-go-lucky. And I was talking to my friend the other day about, like, the word aggressive because I remember someone called me that, like, last year and I was like, me? Aggressive? What? And then she, my friend was like, but you shouldn't be upset about being called aggressive because you're allowed to express yourself however you want. So why should you feel bad about, like, rightfully being angry about something and then your emotions are now being, like, used against you in a negative way and it's just, like, anger is a healthy emotion and I've been trying to kind of, like, channel into all of that as well and just being like, yeah, all of, the, all of these things are all valid. You've collaborated with Instagram, but you've also collaborated with the brands Isla and Skinny Dip. Do you approach commercial commissions differently to your other work? Yes and no. Like the Eyelore one was really unique for me because it was like my first time getting into illustration and I've only been like, I'm self-taught on that. So during like furlough and stuff, I was like, I'm just going to learn how to illustrate. And then the project was called like Eyelore and You, where they asked other creatives or just people on the internet to create their own like eyelashes. And the three winners that they had, they had three illustrators to illustrate them. So it was my first time ever drawing a white person. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is different. So you worked with a competition winner? Yeah, I worked with a competition winner. To showcase their vision? Yeah, their vision, yeah. How did you feel doing that? <laughs> that I was like, okay, let's just try and see how this goes. Because I think it's important to try new things that are completely out of your comfort zone. Because it's not usually the way I work. And my subjects are always black women. But I had fun with it. I re- the thing that I really liked about the illustration was her hair because she had loads of highlights. And I was like, how do I do the highlights? <laughs> how do I do the highlights in her hair? And then I was just like, okay, let's just do these streaks and just build on it and build all the colours and the layers. And then it was really cool. And I was like, okay, the hair's my favourite part of like doing this illustration. And where did the illustration go? So it went on the packaging. So you can get it now in stores at Superdrugs. And... I didn't know this, but they surprised me and the illustration went on the window in Milton Keynes. And I'm just like, oh my God, my work is on the window in Milton Have you Keynes. seen it? I've not seen it in person, but I've seen the pictures and I was like, train this ticket is, to Milton yeah, Keynes. <laughs> I was like, this is the wildest thing. And I'm just like, I sent it to my parents and they're like, who's that? And I was like, that's, that's my illustration. They're like, what did you draw? And I was like, the girl, the white girl. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, yes, that's who I drew. But it was really it was really funny. Yeah. And do you feel that you would want to do other projects like that? I think I would, but 
I still, I just want to champion black women the most, like, to be honest with you. Or, like, queer and femme people, that's who I'd, like, prefer to represent because why not? But I wouldn't say no to doing more projects like this because I also think they're fun. And I think the feedback process on illustrations is also really fun where they're like, you need to draw her eyelashes bigger, reduce the blusher, do this, do that. And I'm like, okay, I'm trying. <laughs> like, I'm really trying here, but yeah. <laughs> It's interesting what you've touched on in terms of you do focus on black women and you also focus very heavily on nature, both in your poetry and your digital art. Yeah. How do you feel the two combine together in terms of nature, being inspired by nature? Nature is just something that we are. Like, I think there's, there's a thing where we don't see ourselves as a part of it, but we are a part of nature. And I think if you go back to, like, the era of slavery as well and, like, cultivating the land... A lot of us don't like touching the earth like that, but it's so important for you to touch the earth. Like I was listening to a podcast about like climate change and it was with one of my favourite people. Her name is Celine Simon and she is one of the co-founders of this organisation called The Slow Factory. So they believe in like sustainability. They do all this like incredible like arts and science work meshed together. And on this podcast, she was talking about The fact that like when you touch the earth, it releases the same endorphins that you get from like running and exercising and all of that stuff. And honestly, my favorite thing to do when I go on holiday, I'm always planning like a beach holiday because I just love looking at the ocean and hearing it. And for my birthday this year, I took myself to Greece. It was a solo trip for me and I got like a window view room and then I just slept with the balcony doors open so I could just hear the ocean. And then I noticed that I was breathing at the same pace as the waves coming in and crashing in. And I was like, this is so, it's really, really spiritual and really kind of like moving for me when I'm just like around nature. So fascinating. Carrie Ad Lloyd talks about it in Grief Cast, that if you're, sometimes if you're in a period of grief, the act of having bare feet on grass can ground you. Yeah. Even, it's not that you need to go out into a forest no. even just in your back garden no, or like absolutely. a square of grass yeah. that action can really ground yourself let's go on to your final clip something that best represents you and your success at this moment so this third clip is for a short film that i've created in collaboration with bbc studios talent works and black creators matter with the launch of their project in the mix 2022 in my language lingala the translation of love is molingo or nalingiyo, which means I love you. Interestingly, in Congolese music, the most used word is bolingo and mutema, which means heart or feeling. Considering the history of our people, I think it's really beautiful that love is a significant message. My family and I immigrated from Kinshasa, Democratic Republic of Congo to the UK when I was a child. I grew up in a household surrounded by black women and girls, divine, feminine energy. My family were my first loves, my original soulmate. The brief was to choose a non-English word to inspire your pilot. What was your chosen word? So my chosen word is nalingyol, which means I love you. And I just picked that just because that's what I was feeling at the time and like kind of looking at my parents and that love that I have for them and the love that I have for my sisters. And I grew up with, like, there was seven of us, like, girls just running around. So I'm just like, yeah, let's let's talk about love. Let's explore it, but let's not explore it in that kind of Western heteronormative way. Let's dig a little deeper. And I'm, I'm hoping that I've done it with this film. And how is it brought to life in the pilot? I think it's been through conversations, because I have 
two interviews in the film, one with my mum and the other is one of my dearest friends, Ray. What was it like directing them? It felt really good, actually, because both my mum and my friend Ray, mum and Ray are both Aries, and they both asked me the same question when I said, hey, do you want to be in my film? I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. And they're like, can you send me the questions first, please? Because I just need to prepare. And I was like, you guys are so funny. And then when I sent them the questions, and I think interviewing my mum was really emotional because I got to see my mum as the kid that she was because in the pilot she talks about her love for her dad and, like, my granddad passed away a few years ago now. But she learned love from him. And the way she described it was he whistled he had this particular tune that he'd whistle and my mum and my aunt would know that was him. And in the film, there's a whistle sound when she's talking. And when I first heard that, I just started crying. When my dad whistle, we know that he's there, that he's calling us. And it's just like, a, that's my dad. As she's talking, I'm just like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Because it was just like... Seeing the love and the joy and the way my mum's face lit up when she talked about her dad and all the things that he meant to her because she was, like, describing how special he was. And I'm like, that's how my mum is for me. Like, out of, I don't know, every time we're, like, at a family function, all my cousins run to my mum because they're like, your mum's the coolest person. I'm tearing up now because it's like, that's my mum. And in the film, she's like, that's my dad. And I'm like, oh, my God, crying because it's just... She's just so important and it's just really lovely to kind of have these opportunities where you can see how much she loves her dad and you can just see her as the kid that she was. And it's very rare that you get to see your parents in that state where they're like actual like kids. So the pilots are going to be showcased at the Barbican. They are, yeah. Will they be able to come to watch? Yeah, they will. My dad won't be able to make it, but my mum will. So I'm really excited to kind of have her there. My mum's, she's really great. She's a seamstress. So any kind of event that I've ever had in my life, she's always made my outfit. So for this one, she's making my dress for me so that I just carry a piece of her. She sounds amazing. She really I'm is. excited to meet her. <laughs> and the project was collaborating with BBC Real. So yeah. they're part of... BBC News and you had a very talented lady called Grisham who was your exec producer to work with on this project. What do you feel you've learned from working with Grisham? How to be direct and say what you want because I think that's so important because I've never worked at a capacity where I've had to be direct to producer and then also like the creative making the work so when it came to the editing process it's like okay how do you tell someone you don't want this bit in or how to say something, what tone of voice to use, I think that's really important. Getting help for it as well. I think asking for help has also been a part of the process that I found like really challenging, but also really rewarding when you do say like, okay, I need more help with this. Can someone help me? And do you feel you'll be able to take those skills into your other creative work? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like... I've just learned so much and there's so many elements to making a film. Like I've done films before, like when I was at uni, but that's <laughs> that's uni. It's not it's not this where you've got like almost like a production value as well. And then 
because my film is a lot of collages and found images and piecing those together I'm like oh does this read as a film or does it not so I just remember during that process like going and researching films that are just done with like photographic stills and it's like oh no this has been done before like you're you're valid and I had to validate myself somehow and just be like okay cool because I was the only one that didn't really have raw footage it's kind of like me making and creating and deciding how I want the story to be told right I'm so looking forward to seeing it (laughs) me too (laughs) we ask every guest to look into the crystal ball for their future what do you see for you Rachel Oh my God, I see more films, I see more exhibitions, I see more collaborations and just opportunities to kind of speak. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the future. I feel like it feels exciting and I don't feel like I'm shying away because sometimes I'll just be like, oh, I'm just going to run into a corner and just, you won't know that I've done this work, but here you go. But this time I'm kind of like stepping into it. So yeah, being more present, I think for my future is also really important as well. Brilliant. Thanks, Rachel. We're so excited to have collaborated with you at BBC Studios. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. If you're interested in knowing more about Rachel, you can find her on Instagram at Rachel Isabel. That's Isabel with a double L and E on the end. You can also find us at Talentworks at BBC Studios Talentworks. This has been a Curly Media production on behalf of BBC Studios. See you next time. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,